What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, Bitcoin? Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to On The Ledger. This is your host, Moel Said, and I'm back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. The metaverse was one of the hot topics of 2021. We've seen the emergence of incredible projects, use cases and trends, as well as the rise of centralized giants. And with all the work that's been done in that space, I suspect that the metaverse will continue to fascinate us this year as well. Our guest today is building one of the most impressive metaverse projects out there. He has a long list of responsibilities that includes being the managing partner of NetX Fund, which is investing in over 60 tech companies, if I'm not mistaken. He's also the co-founder of Centrality AI and director of Power Finance. But today, he's with us as the creator of Fluff World and Altered State Machine, a couple of absolutely amazing projects that I'm sure some of you are probably familiar with. Our guest today is obviously Aaron McDonald. Aaron, welcome to On The Ledger. How are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm so glad to be here. joining you here from the metaverse and part of Fluff World, I guess, <laughs> but also from Auckland, New Zealand. So yeah, really stoked to be talking to you guys and uh, have the opportunity to discuss what we're doing today. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I'm super excited to chat with you about the metaverse and the Fluff ecosystem. But what's even more exciting is the big news that we'll be announcing towards the end. Fluffword and Ledger have been preparing a pretty cool collaboration. So if you're part of the Fluff community, stay with us till the end because you're going to want to hear this. And trust me when I say it, it's big. Anyway, let's get to it. Aaron, are you ready? I'm ready, man. On the Ledger Season 2, Ledger meets Fluff World. Here we go. So let's start from the beginning, Aaron. You're someone with over 20 years of experience in the tech space. You've been at the forefront of the mobile revolution, as well as a somewhat early adopter of crypto and DeFi. And let's be honest, there's still lots of opportunities there. Uh, Why did you decide to focus on the metaverse? I think um, my interest really in the crypto space was kind of, um, well, the fans of my interest, kind of the interest I had was fanned and kind of ignited around the idea of users taking back control of um, the most important and valuable commodity in our future digital society, which is their own data. And so I got very um, excited about the prospect of creating a world where applications and infrastructure could be owned by communities instead of corporations. And that's what really got me kind of deep into and wanting to put like my, my life's work into making um, something happen in that space. When I got involved, um, no one was really focusing on the user experience. You know, it's like all these kind of nerds talking about um, protocols and stuff like that, which is cool. Like I'm a nerd too. I'm not, there's no shade there at all. But it was kind of like um, this this kind of um, niggle in the back of my mind was if we didn't manage to onboard the masses of society, we didn't really solve the problem. So you, it's all very well having this cool technology that can decentralize applications. But if everyday users can't use it in an easy way and in a safe way, then what's the point? Um, We just end up with another bunch of intermediaries um, that kind of centralize access to these ledgers. 
Um, and so user experience was always something I was kind of fascinated with. And when we, when I started working in the space and investing in the space, that's what's where we tended to focus on was how could you improve the consumer user experience. So what I see the the, the metaverse is is, um, you know, it's probably three things. One, it's um, this kind of more immersive digital experience that we exist in. It's not just like VR or whatever that people kind of immediately jump to in their brains. It's like, how does digital stuff get much more intertwined with our life, both in terms of um, our presence online, but also our connectivity between the physical world and the digital world. And, and that's starting like kind, kind of at a very um, rudimentary level, even years ago with the mobile revolution, you're turning this, this um, device into a computer that was attached to everything and could access all knowledge in the universe and, you know, kind of have this kind of almost cybernetic um, connection to, to, to the internet through your phone. And then in the future, that will become actually cybernetic. So our kind of society is going to go more and more and more and more digital. Um, and so the metaverse is that process. It's that evolution. What we're seeing now is like another jump on that path. Um, and what that jump is, is, is allowing us to um, have a very important piece of um, what, what that future of technology should be, which is ownership of the assets and ownership of the data. Because if we become more and more digital as a society and we become more and more connected to technology, we want that ownership to remain with the individual to keep us human so that we're not kind of, you know, beholden to some, some kind of mega entity that has control over society. And so what we're seeing now with the, the metaverse is um, the UX layer for that underlying decentralized systems technology is becoming something that people can get their heads around. It's now NFTs is like being a, uh, a, a great medium for more and more people who have been outside of that core group of believers to actually start to engage with the technology in a way that's friendly and in a way that they can understand and get a hold of those notions of ownership. And then that starts the journey down the next path, which is what else can I now take control of as an individual? Um, and that's a fundamentally important thing for society as we evolve, because we need that balance. We need people and humanity to, to remain, in, remain in control as we move forward. Yeah, 100%. And I really like that about your approach, because you know the way you're approaching this is, you know, leveraging on the NFTs as being, you know, uh, a cultural door and probably the main crypto unramp in the future. And, you know, when you when you compare, you know, even compare this to last year, DeFi summer, well, it's not last year anymore, two years ago, it was amazing. Everyone was talking about DeFi, but when, you know, you were at a party and talking to someone, you'd be like, oh, you know about AMMs. No one wants to, you know, talk about AMMs. But if yeah. you showed them a picture of a bunny, which is a pretty cool yeah. bunny, people start to get interested. And, and, you know, speaking of bunnies, in, 20, in 2021, autumn 2021, you launched Fluff World, which is an avatar project. How would you explain it to the folks who haven't heard of it? Yeah, well, first, I wouldn't call it an avatar project. Okay. Um, I think that the one thing that kind of um, distinguished us when we launched was that we thought a little bit deeper about how the metaverse might evolve and how technology and um and content might evolve in the space because it was very much about avatars at the time. 
Um, and so um, we had some really, you know, great thought leaders around um, decentralization of ownership of content and those kinds of things with with the likes of um, of Bored Apes. And previous to that, we had the, the CryptoPunks movement, which was kind of resetting this kind of anonymous on, online identity, you know, um, paradigm, I guess, and, and kind of cultural clicks around these content pieces. Um, and, and also the kind of notion of storing value inside of digital assets um, in a different way. And so these kind of initial, initial interesting kind of steps, I guess, down the path of content in the metaverse inspired us to like look a little bit deeper. And when what we kind of came up with was um, there would be a distinction between um, what was essentially art and what was... Um, an identity in the metaverse. Um, and the thing I, I think about um, uh, art is that it's very static. It captures a moment in time that is culturally relevant at that time um, that is um, carrying the technology that existed at that time, that is carrying the um, aesthetic that existed at that time. Um, but identities are are fluid, they move, you know, you're not the same person as you were 20 years ago, and neither was I. And the things that I was interested in have changed over that time and how I am presented myself to society changes over that time. So what we wanted to do was create this dynamic asset that could move with you, that could um, evolve as you evolve, that could evolve as culture evolves. And also, um, you know, we wanted to be able to take collaboration in the metaverse and this co-creation concept to the next level and make it more meaningful than um, simply having a celebrity join and attach that profile picture to their Twitter account and start being part of that community. We want it to go that next step deeper. How can those our community and those um, content creators become a little bit tighter in terms of the interaction? So we wanted to make it possible for those content creators to interact with our content and allow users to change the content based on those interactions. So that was kind of launching this, you know, dynamic multimedia asset, mm -hmm. which was, which I think was the kind of um, genesis idea behind Fluffs. It is an avatar, but it's more than that. It's identity and it's, it's a connection to um, culture that can evolve over time and can integrate with other communities in a very kind of obvious and visual way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the main differentiators as well um, is that, you know, Fluffs um, are part of a group of, a limited group of avatars that are metaverse ready. Could you speak more to that? Yeah. What does it mean to be metaverse ready? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the first thing is, um, you know, when people think metaverse ready, they're thinking of, um, being able to exist in virtual worlds. Mm -hmm. um, and that's certainly a part of it. So having 3D models um, that are rigged and can start to go into worlds is an important thing. And we've been working on making sure we have all the formats because um, there is this kind of interoperability you know, question, let's say at the moment, between the metaverse. The metaverse exists on paper. In reality, it's, it's a different story. There's a little bit of you know, work to go on standards and interoperability before we get to, to where everyone imagines it to be. So for now, like, um, there's a lot of work that has to go into creating different formats. So we have like voxel versions of, of fluffs so they can exist in voxel worlds. And we have low polys that can exist in 
um, you know, likes of Decentraland, for example, or game environments. And we have very high quality physics in the fur assets if you want to do kind of animations and those kinds of things. Hmm. So providing all of those formats helps it be metaverse ready. But I think beyond that, you know, the ability to infuse your avatar with other content and have it interact with those content uh, content items um, is is a really important part of it because now avatars and uh, are an identity they'll actually become channels for media mm-hmm. so um the ability to kind of um turn that identity into what you might imagine a social media feed to be in the future is something that um i think is a really important in enabling technology for the space so can you release a podcast through your avatar can you um, release a new music single through your avatar can you host an AMA through your avatar. So all of these kinds of um, content interactions should be the types of things that we're trying to enable. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've really focused on in terms of metaverse ready. How can you turn your avatar into a content channel? How can you keep it relevant? How can, can you connect it to other content? How can you make sure it's available in all the places you want to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think like that's the beginning of you know decentralized entertainment franchises. And one of the elements that you were saying, which I find super inspiring, is the value of the avatar doesn't only emanate from uh, the the form of the avatar, but it's more of what you're going to do with it. And the the more you do with it, the more I do something with my avatar, if we have the same avatar, you gain value as well. Um, So, you know, speaking of the different use cases that you've mentioned, you know, so you've given the community characters, which they can wear or animate for different purposes. In your opinion, what do you kind of think will be the main use cases there? And most importantly, when do you think they will start to see the light? Yeah, I mean, I so I, I feel like there's probably some categories like, um, and some of it's already happening. You know, uh, the first one is is kind of these media personalities um, that, that are that are emerging as native metaverse stars. And Angel Baby is a perfect example of that. We've got um, a community member who we didn't have any like kind of hookup or arrangement with that took took this content, they had an idea, and they've developed a, a meta star out of that that is creating music, engaging with fans, creating content, monetizing that content. So, um, so I think this is kind of one really interesting use case is, is using these characters as um, personalities that can represent, you know, the content you want to distribute. Um, that's already happening. That's cool. There's, and now, now I know of now um, half a dozen people who are building similar things within our ecosystem already. Um, some pretty big things, actually. Um, so, um, so that's, that's a real thing that's happening already. And there's going to, you're going to see more of it. Um, there's also this kind of, I guess people are calling it GameFi, but when we think of the metaverse and Tyler Ward has kind of written a pretty interesting thesis, the founder of, um, Barnbridge and, and a friend of mine, um, where he said that, um, what the metaverse really is, is about, um, the barriers between the silos that exist for finance, for gaming, for media, for social, uh, for, for consumption, um, they won't be distinct anymore. They'll be kind of morphed into this one type of experience um, and one kind of customer interface, which we're calling the metaverse. Mm-hmm. And so 
while you might do those discrete things now, I purchase a thing, I get finance for a thing, I interact with the social media, those are merging. And that merger is what the metaverse experience is. We see like simple proto metaverse examples of this when social media started to touch commerce and you could like click mm -hmm. to buy from a social feed, right? That's the metaverse. That's, that's a step on that path. We're going further and further down that path and so, therefore, these these avatars will be useful for everything we do in society because everything we do in society will exist in the metaverse. So whether that's engaging with a bank teller, whether that's engaging to more, get a mortgage for your house, whether that's buying insurance, whether that's purchasing something online, whether that's interacting with a support agent, whether that's, um, you know, hosting... Uh, hosting hosting a movie night whatever it happens to be all of these kinds of things that we do today will eventually exist in these digital spaces and the avatars are the are the personalities mm -hmm. that interact with you in those spaces across everything you do so play to earn is a is a thing we're working on but really what that is is just kind of how are you joining gaming and finance and media together in one user experience yeah i love that definition of the metaverse being um you know, the the fact that you raise all of these borders between the existing internet yes. verticals. And yeah. speaking speaking of the different spaces, um, you're actually having, you know, something pretty cool that's happening soon in terms of the metaverse being a space in which um, your yep. different avatars would be able to ex exist. So could you maybe speak more about the boroughs and what they are and um, and how you've thought it out. Yeah, no, um, boroughs are a pretty exciting thing. We actually did a big announcement yesterday mm -hmm. um, to, to, to launch the collab with um, Snoop Dogg. Um, and, and, and his team actually really get it. I mean, it was such a cool process to go through because those guys are deep and they, they know the space well and they're, you know, they're careful about how they approach things and do, do, do their homework on what, what's good and what's not. And, um, and so okay, big props to them. The boroughs as a concept, um, when we think about spaces, there were kind of a few things that we were looking at at the time. Um, there's lots of cool and interesting places popping up to for characters and content to be present in, um, you know, Sandbox or, or Decentraland or whatever it happens to be. But none of them could really um, deal with the quality of avatars we were producing. And I think... What you'll start to see in the future um, is we've kind of had the Windows 95 and Windows 98 version of the metaverse and, and of characters content, but things are accelerating rapidly and the kind of um, avatars of the future will be very kind of high quality ones. Um, and that's what we wanted to create, something that was future proof. But what turns out is that if you want to show that off, you, you know, you can't find many places to do it. And so... We, we decided we would take that next step a little bit earlier than we'd planned and build some spaces for people. But again, think about um, world building as a, in a different kind of context to perhaps the obvious ones that people jump into. Um, and there were two things that we, we kind of thought about when we um, designed um, the concept of the boroughs. Metaverses, if you go into them today, by and large, are boring and dull places. There is, isn't much to do. There's lots of empty space. Um, things look the same everywhere. Um, and so um, 
you know, while we imagine this kind of ready way of player one experience, what we actually end up with is, you know, a shade of that, let's say. Um, and, uh, and I know we're early days, but at the same time, like the kind of architecture of these spaces lends themselves to being that way because worlds should evolve with communities. You shouldn't just be saying, kaboom, here's my world, buy land and do stuff. Because you know what? Humans are fucking lazy. They'll buy the land, but no one builds anything. And if they do, it kind of like has to be maintained and all these other kinds of things. And so over time, you you end up with kind of, you know, ghost towns. Um, and so we didn't want that to happen. Um, and so when we think about world building, it should be done in stages. You should build small spaces um, that are personal and people can kind of start to um, connect with on a, a, with their own kind of direct content. Then they become multi-party spaces where you can connect with communities. Then they become group spaces where you can connect with an audience. And then they become world spaces when you when you can connect with a universe and world of world spaces. So that hierarchy of kind of journey of building out um, spaces for these things to exist ensures that each step of the way you can create engagement and you can make sure that people um, feel like it's a content rich environment with something to do and someone to connect with the whole time. So that's, that's, that's why we took this approach at the boroughs is building these personal spaces that evolve into small group spaces that evolve into world spaces that evolve into world of world spaces. We have some really, really, really big stuff happening in the later stages of this um, big brands and personalities that we'll be bringing in to build spaces with, but we have to start with this kind of where the community is now and grow with them. Mm -hmm. The other thing about the boroughs is, um, you know, it's cool to have somewhere to hang out um, and maybe meet with your friends and that kind of thing. But you have to have, have some kind of hook that helps, um, you know, give people a reason to be in those spaces. Um, and so for us, there's kind of a few things that we we thought about in the design of the boroughs. One is kind of creating them as spaces for um, events to happen. Um, and so... Um, that can take two forms. Um, one is um, what I'd say broadcast in. So um, the ability to stream in content to the boroughs as a whole, 10,000 individual space, 10,500 individual spaces, if you're one of the lucky um, Snoop Dogg spaces, um, where content can come into and people can subscribe to that content. And so now you've got a platform where there might be 30 people in each one of these spaces, wow. um, but you've got 10,000 of them. So now you've got an audience of, you know, 300,000 people that you can stream something into. The other um, way is streaming out. So um, you can think of the boroughs um, as something like Clubhouse for the metaverse, where you could be holding a discussion with, you know, 10 avatars in the room, but you could have you know, a hundred thousand people listening to that conversation from the outside. Um, so, so this is kind of, I think, a way to um, create a space that has purpose and meaning and gives, you know, a reason for people to want to exist in them and something that is engaging for them to do in it. There's a whole bunch of other mini activations that exist inside the boroughs, games and tokens and all those kinds of things. But this is concept as a media platform for the metaverse, I think is a really strong mm -hmm. one. And it's that first step, you know, on that journey to building bigger and bigger spaces. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually quite excited to try that out. And back to your earlier point about it being gradual, 
that actually is the perfect segue into ASM. So, you know, Altered State <laughs> Machine is an artificial intelligence project which aims to democratize access to AI and provide avatars with intelligence. And the question that naturally comes to mind is, why the hell do our avatars need intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think it's not just avatars for a start-off. I think the, the point is to connect... Um, the ownership of intelligent agents to decentralized systems. Because as I mentioned before, we're becoming a much more digital society. And a big part of that transformation is um, artificial intelligence being used in processes across society and in and, and relation to us as individuals. But now all of that happens behind a curtain. And we, we can't really see what's happening society at large isn't influencing what's happening there it's generally a certain type of you know personality and demographic that is developing these things and it's and, and they're not reflective of society because of that and so you've got all this kind of activity that's propelling humanity forward into this more digital space but the consumers have no control over it and no ownership over it and so the protocol is really about taking back ownership of the agents which exist in these ta different types of tasks. One of those interesting things um, is um, intelligent avatars in game and metaverse environments. Um, and you might say, again, like you did say, why? Um, I think there's probably a few reasons why. One, um, when we talk about these metaverse spaces um, being a little bit lifeless, um, and you contrast them to, say, proto-metaverses like World of Warcraft, um, as an example, if you go into those environments, there's always something to do. You know, there's like, even if you're a lonely person with no mates online or whatever it is, you can do something um, and you, and it's engaging. And the reason that is, is because NPCs exist. You can go and interact with um, content. Mm -hmm. so and, NPCs um, are non-playable characters for yes. the non-gamers yeah. out there. For the non-gamers out there. Um, <laughs> But, but the notion of um, the metaverse spaces is build your own and bring your own. So like, how do you kind of create the opportunity for these non-playing characters to exist in a world where everyone's supposed to bring their own content and build their own content? Um, and so intelligent avatars are that. They provide the ability for people to bring engaging activations that are persistent in these environments so that people can um, have something to do. I think the other thing is that um, we will see, so there's been a cat and mouse game between um, game developers and bot developers for years. Um, and over, over that time, um, I would say neither side really wins. Um, and we now have the opportunity, and you're going to see more of this of, um, intelligence coming into games um, and the whole metaverse kind of meme is that the users own the content well if more and more intelligence is used in games and we can't own those things then that kind of destroys the meme of own your own content because mm -hmm. it's like well you can own some of the content at that point so I think bringing, bringing that element of ownership into play to earn gaming is a, is a cool thing and the interesting part is, um, you know, it feels like Fluff World and, you know, the Fluffs and the party, party Bears as well are kind of like the Trojan horses for this amazing technology. Because if I understand this correctly, 
this will not be exclusive to you know fluff world um, avatars. No, no, definitely. So um, the protocol is designed to to be able to connect to any kind of avatar. Um, and in fact, when we first made the first prototype of Altered State Machine, we used CryptoKitties and um, Board Eight Kennel Club NFTs, just flat, you know, JPEGs running around inside of these games. So you can even go like down that that level. You know, it's not super super high fidelity, but it was funny to watch. Um, and um, and so the protocol kind of separates the form from the brain. Um, and allows you to connect this brain to any kind of form. Um, in fact, the team came across a very cool engineering discovery last week that makes that process even simpler across different engines, different execution environments, different hardware. And you can do on-the-fly changes to what the form looks like as as those things are being played out. So um, so the form being separated from the, from the brain allows... Um, really great interoperability and for a developer community to start building their own use cases. And I don't want to kind of limit the protocol to that space. It's just that, um, again, if you think about how do you onboard users to a totally new concept that's got every buzzword bingo in in the world in it right now with AI and NFT and blockchain and, you know, all of this kind of stuff going on, like how do you make that simple for someone to understand? Well, simple way to do that is put it into a format of a game so they can start to click through and get used to the mechanics. And then you can take down a journey of much more advanced things like a digital human, a digital you, you know, a digital data API, like all of these kind of interesting use Mm -hmm. cases that start to fulfill the promise of decentralization Mm -hmm. that we've talked about, you know, for many years, but never really been able to get into the hands of everyday users. So it's time to move on to our last segment of the show. This is Glimpse into the Future. So Aaron, it would be fair to say that the open metaverse isn't ready for prime time just yet. Uh, to me, it feels like one of the main barriers is hardware. You know, when you think of mm. it as VR headsets and gaming consoles are all, you know, currently produced uh, and developed by big tech companies. And let's be honest, they're the, you know, most qualitative way of accessing the metaverse today. How do you think that will pan out in the future? I think hardware is going to be a really interesting battle. Um, you know, there's already starting to form two, I guess, two opposing views in the hardware world with Android and Apple. And we always have had a slightly different take on things. Um, you know, Apple's kind of leaned in on privacy as an example, while, as, while Android is kind of, you know, Google's surveillance mechanism. Um, and so there's always that been that distinct thing. But I think now, and that's kind of garnered quite a bit of support for Apple. They've been able to take the high, high ground. I think now we're going to see maybe a bit of a reversal of, of that high ground being you know, lost because um, the walled garden content approach that Apple brings to, the, to their value proposition doesn't work in the metaverse. Um, and so this is going to be, a, a, I think, an interesting fight on that front going forward because um, there are really only two mobile platforms mm-hmm. in the world and things will be mobile first. It's just kind of the nature of where technology is going. And, and there's got to be something that breaks there because both of those models don't work for the, for the metaverse we want, mm-hmm. you know, um, the walled garden doesn't work and more and more people are starting to realize that Apple, Apple is playing unfairly 
in that space. And also the surveillance model doesn't work. People don't want that either. Mm-hmm. And so there's got to be either a, a, you know, a movement on either of those two forces or something else has got to emerge that, that solves both of those problems. So I think there's, there's opportunities wide open in the hardware space for someone to come and build something that's genuinely taking, um, you know, the principles of personal content ownership and data privacy into a hardware proposition. That's going to be quite a fight to watch. It's going to be a hard one. Yeah. Another main barrier would be education. When's, when's Ledger building a phone? <laughs> <laughs> Ian would kill me if I ever say anything. So. <laughs> Uh, another main barrier would be education. You know, in order to safely navigate the space, you've got to learn about crypto, self-custody, and security. Yeah. And the thing is that we still got a lot of work to do on that front. Um, and with the rapid adoption of this space, we're seeing substantial increase in hacks and scams. What are your thoughts on that matter? Yeah, I mean, like part of um, building a good user experience is security. We actually had last night is um, a minor incident but you know an annoying one um where we had a, um, a junior mod in one of the um, party bear channels was social engineered pretty sophisticated social engineering attack which we think was maybe followed up by an exploit on the discord api which we're investigating so it is a little bit kind of the wild west and as much as um projects do their best to try and mitigate risks there is going to always be risks it's this kind of with great power comes great responsibility own your own keys comes with you know own your own content comes with a responsibility so we have to keep as um, developers and engineers and um, entrepreneurs thinking of ways to introduce new new solutions to make it simpler for people to understand what's going on and also to prevent um attack vectors from happening um so that's one thing we have to do the other thing we have to do is education um and so you know as people are being onboarded into the space and more and more new people are being onboarded into the space create tools and forums and content that helps them to um, understand where those risks are and what kind of the um the things to watch out for and what are the solutions that can help mitigate those risks Well, I guess since we're speaking of education, now is probably the moment for our major announcement. Aaron, you want to go, go for it? Yeah, no, we're very excited about this. Um, so, uh, you know, we're going to be working with the Ledger team to um, in- introduce and create a new content series about security and digital assets in the metaverse. And we're going to do this the right way. You know, um, we're going to get our community to help us create it. Um, so the team team at Ledger have gone and bought a whole bunch of um, fluffs and altered state machine uh, NFTs. I think they're 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 probably worth over a hundred thousand dollars now. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do a check last night. Maybe even more. One hundred this morning. $170,000. This is a massive prize um, for the community to go and use the. Um, avatars they have and the content we've provided them and the assets we've provided them to start to create education content that then will be released by our community and by Ledger to help educate um, new users and existing users in the space on their options around security. So this is going to be big. We're really excited about it. We hope this is going to kind of help the, the broader community that can take this content and use it for their own channels and their own users 
um, and a really fun way to show how metaverse assets can be useful and how communities can create content for everyone that's beneficial. Yeah, 100%. And you could win $170,000 with (laughs) Wops and ASMs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, we were very, very excited to work with you guys because, first of all, your vision is is absolutely fascinating. But second, the community, the community there is is something else. And we were creating content and educational content for the past, you know, few years. But the thing is that we've been doing it the Web2 way, you know, top down. Mm. And the question we asked ourselves at the beginning of the year is, what if you flip the process? What if you harnessed, you know, the power of hive minds and communities? And we really wanted to empower a community that was ready. So, you know, back to the, your earlier point about being metaverse ready and having assets uh, which they can animate for different purposes. Mm. And, you know, Fluff, Fluff World was kind of, you know, the... The, the clear like kind of go-to choice for us um and basically this is the beginning of decentralized education we're doing it together yeah. and i'm super excited yeah awesome <laughs> yeah me too yeah very 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 excited it's going to be a really cool thing for the whole space yeah absolutely so if you're listening to this it means that we've already announced it uh, so head over to the discord learn more <laughs> about the, the the different prizes because there's not only one team that's going to win. There are three teams and there are, you know, very, very cool NFTs from the Fluff World to be won there. Aaron, yeah. it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot for coming by. Thanks, and, sir. And yeah, looking forward to watching some content with you in the next few weeks. Yeah, me too. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for the time. Thanks for inviting me on. Really good chat. Thanks a lot. That's it. What a conversation. If you own a Fluff, don't hesitate to head over to the Discord and join the competition. You can use your creativity to help educate the space for a chance to win insane prizes. And if your submission is selected, you'll be getting a ledger whether you win or lose. So go for it. This was On The Ledger from Paris with your host Moel Sayed. Till next time, take care. Au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.